Hello everyone, we're live again tonight and tonight we've got um, an All Wales episode of MHTV. So I'm going to introduce you to my guests in a minute, but first of all over to my colleague Nikki to tell you a bit about social media tonight. Good evening, everybody. Um, as ever, sort of your participation is what makes this really come alive. So if you've got any questions for our panels, anything you want us to clarify, please, please let us know. You can do that on Twitter using the hashtag MHTV, or you can join us on Facebook Live, and that's the MHNA page, um, and just comment away. And I'll be looking down because I'll be um, retweeting, commenting, and so please join in. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Nikki. So tonight we're talking about mental health nursing, policy, voice and power. So quite a lot to cover in 45 minutes, um, but hopefully a, a nice, lively discussion. So what I'm going to do, first of all, is just go around the panel first of all, just to introduce themselves. And then we'll probably start with a bit of a discussion about Wales and what's unique about Wales in terms of mental health nursing. So on my screen, I've got um, Michelle. Are you happy to start? And then yes. I've got Hazel and then Ben, if that's okay. Thank you very much. Hi, um, my name is Michelle Falkins, and I'm the Associate Director of Nursing, Divisional Nurse for Mental Health and Learning Disabilities in an Iron Bevan University Health Board. Lovely to join you this evening. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. And Hazel? Oh, thank you. Um, again, delighted to be with you uh, this evening. I'm Hazel Powell. I'm Nursing Officer for Mental Health and Learning Disability at Welsh Government. Lovely. Thanks for joining us. And Ben, um, I think a lot of people will recognise you, but do you want to introduce yourself tonight um, yeah. as part of this edition? Yeah, I'm wearing a different hat tonight. <laughs> yes, thanks, Vanessa. Uh, so my name is Ben Hannigan. Um, I'm a mental health nursing academic in the School of Healthcare Sciences at Cardiff University. And in, in this context, I'm probably a bit unusual, actually, that I, I think I've studied policy and I think it's really interesting. Um, mm. So... If there's, if there's one thing I want people to kind of maybe take away from this is the idea that policy is super relevant and it's everybody's business. But uh, yeah, we'll come to that later, I'm sure. Great. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've been looking forward to tonight because I think it must be about three years ago that I came over to Cardiff when you've been doing your, um, your all Wales mental health nursing work and, um, and met some of you um, then. So... What really struck me, I'd been to Cardiff before on holiday, but what struck me in terms of mental health nursing was there were quite a lot of differences between mental health nursing in Wales and mental health nursing in England. So I think that's a good place to start, really. Um, if we can just go around and maybe just have a bit of a conversation about that to start off with. What's unique about Wales? Yeah, So, so I'm happy to, to start that yeah. conversation. I, I moved uh, to Wales from Scotland about four and a half years ago. And uh, what kind of struck me, my reflections around that is probably Wales is more similar to Scotland than, than England. So we've got mm -hmm. um, health boards, integrated health boards, as opposed to NHS Foundation Trust. So that's a very different kind of um, context that, you, that you're mm -hmm. working in as a, yeah. as a mental health nurse. I think uh, we are, um, let's say, perfectly sized. So there's that connectivity and yeah. you get to know people quickly there's real positives around that around connecting and, and talk and being able to talk to everybody um i think there are other differences in terms of um policy wise it's quite close so you 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 link quite quickly to the leaders across wales yep. and, and that can that can open up conversations that are quite interesting i think um 
remote and rurality you know we've got the cities and the rural bits it's a beautiful place to, to live actually um i think you know, well actually i'm gonna I'll, I'll i'll let i'll let uh, ben and michelle pick up some of the other differences as well from their perspective who's been in wales a bit longer than me yeah i am okay. um, I, mean, I mean naturally a lot of the legislation regulations will be similar so there'll be themes that run across each of our nations I think there are some unique differences in that in, in Wales, we have what's called the Mental Health Wales Measure, which is very much around primary care part one, part two is about secondary care mental health, and what we call the care um, and treatment programme, which is very different to what they have in England. So, and it's about these principles that are slightly different within Wales than what you might see um, in England, for example. Mm. And um, just to touch on what Hazel was saying, and I think we've noticed this in particular through the last six months, which have been incredibly difficult times for people, mm. whereby the ability to work very closely as health boards, particularly mm. nursing and nurse leadership professionally within those health boards, has really helped to shape direction to have those very important conversations in a very timely way but also influence what might be able to happen next, for example. And I think you know, we all sit on what's called the, um, the All Wales um, Senior Nurse Advisory Group, and that's very much around how we inform policy, how we are able to increase the voice of nursing within Wales, for example. And it's that networking that makes a considerable difference. So um, I've worked in both England and Wales, and there's yeah. something about the values and the core principles that underpin it. Yeah, that struck me that day when I spent the day in Cardiff. I know it's a few years ago, but I do remember it really well. And I do go to a lot of events. And well, I did pre-COVID. And what struck me is everything that you said, that um, there seemed to be a much flatter sort of leadership structure in the sense that people in the room who were mingling with each other, you could see the connections between people in leadership and clinicians who were you know, suggesting things and recommending things. And you could see that that conversation was happening. And even, you know, in terms of like political leaders who were there that day, who seemed, you know, really accessible. So for me, I, I did think it was very different and it did seem very values focused. That was kind of what I took away from it. So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, and do you want to jump in at this point? I, I think there are real differences actually um, between Wales and other countries of the UK. I, I've spent more than half my life living in Wales. I was born in England. I, I became a nurse in England. Uh, yeah. So I practiced in, in England. And just before we kind of went live, we were, I was just sharing a, an anecdote. In my, it would have been in my first week or fortnight as a new, newly appointed teacher of community mental health nurses. And I said something like um, the CPA. So let's talk about the CPA. And in the late 1990s in England, everybody working in mental health services would have had a really good understanding of what the CPA mm. care program approach. And everybody in the room said, so Ben, what's the CPA? And I thought immediately, I thought, aha, interesting. So I need to really be careful about my assumptions here. Yeah. The frameworks, the kind of standards that people might use. So kind of principles of coordinating care, that was familiar, but the language was different. There wasn't a policy in that way. Uh, in the in the way that it was in England, and and of course the the country Wales is really distinct mm. as, as a country. So, um, so of the of the four countries of the UK, Wales has the oldest population. So, um, 
uh, around uh, 20%, I think, of people in Wales are over the age of 65. That's more than in the other three countries. There are very high levels of poverty. So Wales is post-industrial. You know, it's lost a lot of its traditional economy. A lot of work is in the public sector, but about a quarter of people live in poverty, and that creates all sorts of health challenges. So mm -hmm. I think kind of health inequalities, you know, what that means for provision of services for kind of meeting uh, health need um, and, and all of that. And, and there's also been relative political continuity in the Welsh Parliament or the Senate. Um, so the Labour Party in Wales has consistently been in power, either on its own or in, or in coalition. And, and that's created a really different ethos. So yeah. public services are definitely, in, in just in the way that um, Hazel and Michelle have said, they're differently organised. Mm. So locality-based university health boards, um, no kind of purchaser provider split in the way that there is in England. Um, mm. The what is it, what's the phrase? Any willing or any qualified provider and the involvement of public of private sector organisations in NHS England. I mean that feels different in Wales too. We don't have that in the same way. Um, and then, as Michelle said, you know, it, very specific examples of specific bits of policy or legislation that mm. are unique to Wales and the Wales mental health measure is most definitely one of them. And it's not the only one actually. I mean, so for example, the final example to give just for now, which is relevant to nursing, not just to mental health nursing, is of course Wales was the first country in the UK to lead on safe staffing legislation. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting in itself, isn't it? It is. Yeah, why do you think that was? Why do you think Wales um there, there was strong professional organisation trade union lobbying, as I understand it. Mm -hmm. So um, the RCN in Wales, um, uh, I know because I imagine that Mick, our friend Mick McEwen will be watching this, you see. So he, he will also want to remind us that Unison, quite mm -hmm. rightly, also part of that. And Dave Monday, who's sitting behind the scenes, will say, and unite. So, so they're kind of say, yeah, the Safe Staffing Alliance, which kind of crossed the yeah. UK, but there was a really, you know, I felt it was a very strong wales-based campaign to mm. cement legislation um and and it, it paid off you know there was yeah. sufficient lobbying sufficient energy sufficient ability to influence uh legislators to make that happen mm. and what was the outcome of that where are you with SIFs I, in I tell you, very interestingly so um so come in and correct me if i'm wrong here hazel and michelle but it, the law the law was written without any particular area of healthcare in mind but it first of all applied to acute medical and surgical inpatient settings. But yeah. actually the aspiration now is to extend the principles and the practice to mental health care. So it's about to come into mental health inpatient settings. Am I right, Hazel, Michelle? Well, it's already in place in surgical and medical wards, and there is work being done to take it forward in a number of work streams. There's one to do with district nursing, and they're also looking at paediatrics, but there is a mental health work stream that, again, is, um, well, there's an exec nurse director uh, who leads that work stream, but we've also got a lead in the all-wheel senior nurse advisory group, so we're very much involved in that work, looking at the principles. Um, so, so there's work being done that will help get us to the position where it will be easier yeah. hopefully to bring up bring on board it's quite it, it's quite complicated work looking at how you make decisions around yeah, um, yeah. but it's really important and has uh, you know yeah. has a lot of support to take it forward and to try and work through some of that complexity so that we can make those clinical professional judgments and use them the data and information 
we we have to try and triangulate and come up with some decision making. So so yes, I think we, I think Wales has done done well around that. And and just mm -hmm. to just to finish up, this, the other thing I would add is that what we probably have less of is some of the the, the organisations think tanks. So we draw a lot in England for information because yeah. we've only recently got our HEIW, which is equivalent health education and improvement Wales, which is um, similar to HEE in England, so so that so there's those positives, but I think we don't yeah. have some of the infrastructure either. So we so yeah. or, or some of that infrastructure is building, and we look we look across the borders and to other countries quite quite a lot for for some of the data and information. Yeah, is that easy to do? Uh, is there a lot of connection between so England and Wales from a nursing point of view, for example? A fair bit through mental health nurse academics and the, yeah. and the expert expert uh, group uh, i think it's it's difficult sometimes because there are all those distinct differences so you know it's yeah. a bit like uh, you can't quite measure apples and pears so some of what we're trying to look at is, is different yeah yeah well, it's interesting um, I, I I, oh sorry i do oh, apologize oh, no, i've just got over to you then michelle and then maybe to nikki to see if anything's coming in from social media. I just wondered if it was timely to um, mention the nursing, the mental health nursing framework in Wales. Yeah. And I think that's something that we're particularly proud of. It's, you know, it's, we, we developed it. We worked very, very closely together across all the health boards. It was very much co-produced. Um, mental health nurses, students, academics, uh, really worked to develop that framework. Um, from 2018 to 2028 and it very much underpins all the things that we've just spoken about and hopefully we'll continue to talk about but I actually think if we're talking about something unique in Wales and a unique contribution of mental health nursing that framework in Wales has made a big difference mm -hmm. yeah definitely. I just wanted to touch on that at that point thank you I think it's important so um where would people find information if people are watching tonight and wanted to know about the All Wales mental health nursing framework is it available or it is i mean there are particular links um but if even if you put it into the search engine it would come wow. up yeah um, but we can put it on as well. brilliant i've tweeted it already too far ahead of with it all <laughs> I don't know why you doubt me. <laughs> but you know, we can't allow you to get complacent, can we? <laughs> oh, anyway, Nikki, um, any questions coming in from social media? We haven't got any in yet, but I did have mm. a bunch of students through today. So I actually asked them about it. And um, yeah. their response to policy was not as enthusiastic as Ben's. No. no. <laughs> this may shock you guys. <laughs> deep breaths <laughs> um, and when I was talking to them you know how do you use it basically people were describing sort of bringing it up online and then raiding it for quotes and very yeah. few students really seem to understand the power that they were holding in their hands by having that information oh are you waving <laughs> someone else who's super keen on policy someone's getting excited <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, and I, breathe I, through it I know, but i think that's a really important question isn't it is how how to understand mm. you know what does policy mean for, for staff students and, and, and people who use services i suppose and it's it doesn't surprise me that people are interested in it mm. and i think that's one of the barriers and one of the questions we need to think about is how do we actually 
um, help people think about what what that means because if we influence it's 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 seen as something that's done to us isn't it or something we draw yeah. on information whereas actually if we influence policy and we can and should we're influencing the pair of today and tomorrow you, yeah. you know and also if you think about it with policy uh, comes a lot of resource so if you can influence policy, you're not just influencing the care of today and tomorrow and the, the standards and the quality of care. You're probably also able to influence where that resource allocation is going. So, so to me, I think it's a, it, you know, it's a really important area. But I get there's lots of barriers and, and really interesting what you're saying, Nikki, around that students. You know, it's, it's, not this, it's not the sexy area of study, is it? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them found it quite difficult to read it and quite difficult to understand why why how they could use it. Yeah. If anyone's got any suggestions. I, I want to speak directly to your students, Nikki. <laughs> so <laughs> hello, hello, um, Nikki's students at Middlesex University. I I I really and I I know that I'm more unusual than you are or than they are, because you know, I am interested in policy. I've kind of made it a bit of a thing, and that's not commonly found, I don't suppose. But it, it honestly, it's the, it is the case, isn't it? There are policy frameworks that will have a direct bearing yeah. on what on what Nikki, your students can and can't yeah. do, on what registrants Absolutely. can and can't do. It, you know, policy will kind of set a framework. It will shape. It will frame. It will constrain. You know, the boundaries of people's professional roles, the tasks that they can mm -hmm. perform. Um, it is it, it is a, an explicit act, isn't it, of policy that student nurses in, in England now have to take out student loans, but in Wales, student nurses do not. They are supported yeah. through government bursaries. Yeah. You know, and if there was ever an example of direct policy having a, having a straight down the line bearing on the lives and the material circumstances of student nurses, then that, that would be it. Mm -hmm. uh, loads of, load, and, and, and other examples, you know, years ago, nurses could not prescribe yeah, um, and now they do. So that's mm -hmm. an act of policy that's kind of made that happen. Years and years and years ago, there were no mental health nurses working in the community. But if we think about the kind of you know the long the long policy or the long program of shifting the focus of mental health care from hospitals to, to the community, that that is an expression of kind of policy will over many decades. That's created opportunities for mental health nurses to do kinds of work that simply didn't exist in the yeah. past. So so I know I'm. For sure, I know that policy seems really, really distant from the kind of face-to-face, -face, mm. everyday practitioner encounter, but it's so important. It's shaped, it absolutely does all those things. It shapes, frames, mm. creates opportunities. Yeah. Mm. I, I wonder as well, there's a, a Nick, go on. You, go ahead, please, Michelle. Oh, I, just, I was about to say, I just wonder if it says something about how we engage with people about policies and procedures. Yes. And, you know, so are they meaningful? You know, do, do they do they provide the purpose and actually make a difference for staff and for service mm -hmm. users and their families and carers? So very often people, I look back, if I were to look back when I was a student in my early career, then they were a guide, they were a point of reference. But actually, were we truly genuinely engaged in what that actually meant? So I think there's something around how we do um, how they're actually brought in, how we think about them, how we co-produce them. You know, service users sat with us thinking about actually, if we were, if if we had this, this is what would, this is what the outcome would be. So I think sometimes it's the way about way in which we've gone about it. They yeah. kind of tend to appear 
when they're about to go out of date, if I were to be honest, or people suddenly think, oh, we've got to have a policy for this, rather than Mm -hmm. thinking what will be different by having this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. I think that's right. And I think, um, I know when you were doing the All All Wales Mental Health Nursing Framework, the first thing you did was... um, was talk to mental health nurses wasn't it about what was important yeah. to them and what mental health nurses so right at the start you kind of set the tone that this was co-produced this was involving nurses this was for nurses um, and that doesn't happen all the time I think you know what you've just said I totally relate to and and I think um, we were saying just before we went live weren't we as well that um, how do we get different voices heard as well in policy because if if nurses generally don't think policy involvement is for them, you're probably going to get only a particular type of nurse that comes forward to get involved in that work. But how do we get other voices heard? Because surely policy is more meaningful if we um, you know if we have a wide range of voices heard rather than just a very small elite number of people who are involved. And I don't know the answer, but um, interested in your thoughts about how we kind of how we change the culture around that? How do we get more people involved? I think that's a really good question. And it's, it's about um, creating opportunities, isn't it? And helping people see the opportunities. So we also, yeah. it's really important to involve students in the development of the framework. So we did an, a mm-hmm. series of um, uh, kind of workshops with, with students. And But what, what, what I didn't do with them, actually, what we didn't do with them was point out that this was them influencing policy. So, it's, so there's a bit about raising awareness and helping people actually see what, what, they're, that what they're doing is developing policy and it is influencing and it is having an impact. Because if you think about it, we're the largest profession in mental health mm-hmm. services, but I'm not sure we have the largest voice always compared mm-hmm. to other mm-hmm. disciplines. Mm. And what nurses are usually good at, and I'm not saying other professions aren't, but if, you know, if we're powerful and our voice is loud, we're usually quite good at empowering people who use services as well and bringing their voice into it, which is yeah. really important, isn't it? You, you know, so, so, I, so I think there's something about opportunity, something about um, uh, joining the dots for people to help them see that when, when they are influencing policy and it's through the doing rather than the being taught about it in in the classroom I suppose is the the opportunity to make it it more about experiences but I do think what we do at undergraduate level is quite important around making it interesting I don't know what I don't know what Ben or Nikki's views are that sitting in academia are I don't think we've got it right at at an undergraduate level I think it's readability (laughs) a lot of that stuff I mean it's really bizarre isn't it that we would write a policy that the people it's about can't understand and the people who are supposed to use it can't get to grips with it Mm. almost I wouldn't say it's analogous to the dreaded module handbook that no student ever reads but about up there (laughs) it feels like rhetoric doesn't it it doesn't feel like what like real life It, it sometimes feels like lots of very well put together principles that nobody would disagree with but what does it mean in practice I think we need to sometimes tease that out before can help them think what does that mean in practice so so Ben's examples are really helpful yeah I think social media is influencing um, policy though because I know a while ago um, somebody sent me um, publicly on social media a policy and it was somebody who used services and it was a policy for the organization where she'd use services and she was basically saying look at the language in this policy what do you think about it and she sent it to me and a few other people and to be honest I did comment honestly and professionally about what I thought but I guess um, that policy was taken down and my point is 
that we can't get away anymore of, of writing policies in ivory towers, can we? Because of the age of social media um, and, you know, the, way, the direction of culture, the fact that, you know, service users and carers you know, want to have a voice now and will have a voice. And if they can't have a voice through organisations, they can have a voice through social media, through, you know, talking, blogging, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is. There's different ways now, isn't there, of influencing? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm quite interested in your thoughts on sort of nurses and, and power. You know, um, I think for yeah, someone commenting about a history of activism and mental health nurses in particular taking this kind of outsider stance and being really proud of it and yeah. well that's great but sometimes an insider stance is super helpful <laughs> <laughs> no i i i agree nikki I to, I, influence again is really interesting isn't it we talk we, we, we talk a lot around the power relationship between ourselves and people who use services and quite a lot around the power relationship with ourselves and other professional groups yeah, and I think there's something around as a as a group, what are mental health nurses like in terms of power and influence, and, we're, and obviously we're all different, so it's a broad spectrum. Um, but I wonder sometimes if um, it, you know if we're if we're quite activist, I think is a good mm. thing. potentially quite a lot of mental health nurses I know that I would say are quite activist, and and I suppose I think it's probably because. One of the things that draw us into mental health nursing is, is that want to make a difference, but that also that want to raise to fight social injustice and, and for equality. So that brings a, a set of traits with it, doesn't it, or values that yeah. I think um, are quite. When we talk about the uniqueness of Wales. There's probably a uniqueness of mental health nursing as well that you're likely to find this set of traits in, in most mental health nurses. So it maybe makes us a little bit more activist which can be a really good thing. And you see activists making a huge, significant difference to in influencing things like policy, uh, what we just talked about. But I wonder sometimes, be interested in other people's thoughts around, do we explore or think about some of the negatives that can bring in? And, and I remember early on in my career, I think I was still a student, as some, of, some of the, and this was in Scotland, there was a strike and some of the nurses um, went out and strike. Some of these were fantastic nurses, but I I think looking back, it did impede their career. Do you know, it had a negative impact? I have no evidence for that, but some of them didn't progress as well as I thought they should. So I wonder if it's sometimes you're seen as a troublemaker and what challenges mm -hmm. that might bring to your career, or yeah. if you're excluded from being round the table and the, yeah. whereas yeah. you might have more influence if you were round the table. I don't know what other people yeah, I think you're right. It's that concept of rebellion as well, isn't it? And that overused cliche about rocking the boat and staying in it. But it is a fact, isn't it? That some sometimes we're not going to progress unless we ask those challenging questions. But as you say, Hazel, it's a it's a fine line between being the person to ask those questions and then being the person who is ostracized and and no longer included. And there's obviously lots of you know speak out and speak up campaigns happening now and you know freedom to um speak out guardians and things so people can speak out can't they and feel that they're speaking out confidentially but i still i personally think there is still that perception that if you're an activist um are you a troublemaker are you going to get into trouble i still think that that culture exists and i still hear people um who feel that they can't speak out and they can't have a voice and they can't be active um i think that in England, I think um, mental health nurses are becoming more um, politically active as people are becoming more and more unhappy with the way things are. 
I think, you know, a few years ago when people were unhappy, but it's on a continuum, isn't it? Um, but we didn't have the austerity that we have now. A lot of people said that they weren't able to be political in the jobs, whereas I think now a lot of mental health nurses I speak to say that, you know, they have to be political because mm. the situation. So yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I think people are more politically astute and um, I do hope that we um, both, you know, through professional forums and leadership and education that we are helping our students, you know, our our future workforce and our current workforce to really think about how they can politically and professionally influence change, whether that be um, modernisation of services that will truly make a difference for people whether it's around research education or the direction of practice. So there is something about that political astuteness. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's something about the, the word power and yeah. the definition of power. It's often seen mm. sometimes as quite a negative connotation, a negative concept. It doesn't align neatly to the image of nursing and yeah. what that brings, you know, that modesty, that humble nature of an individual that, you know, has been around for a very, very very mm. long time and yeah. it's what you see or determine as power isn't it because I I think in my career I mean I qualified in 1992 that's a, that's a very long time ago mm. and I think through my career the, the people who I've looked up to people who I've seen as role models have very much sat within that definition of almost like tools of professional excellence mm. who really very articulately with their skills their knowledge their credibility and their voice can really ensure that things are heard and actually they influence change and decision making or even to say this is not okay yes. and actually to me I look at power in that way as well and I think that um, particularly from nursing that can make a big difference so the kind yes. of softer side of it I guess isn't it yeah, definitely. I, I think there's something about the social history of nursing which is significant here as well. So nursing historically has been a, has been a gendered role, hasn't it? So yeah. women, in nursing there yeah. are more women than men. When you think about some of the narratives that we still hear today, uh, uh, that, for example, disposition, um, some kind of innate ability to care is is sufficient and all that's required for nurses mm. to nurse which has also meant that the educational preparation of nurses has been held back for so long you know we were really late in arriving at as a as a graduate profession and i and i think and all all those things then despite our numbers you know, there's over 600 thousand registered nurses aren't there in the uk it's almost it's kind mm. of getting on for one in a hundred of the population but all those all those kind of historical demographic features of nursing the way it's been held the regard it's been held in has, yeah. has kind of held us back and has kind of stopped yeah. nursing or nursing representatives from kind of being at the you know the elite policy making table to really influence how for example the health service is organized it, it, go, it goes right back to the origins of the nhs you know doctors yeah. needed to be incorporated doctors needed to have their pockets stuffed with Gold is the kind of famous saying, but nurses just weren't in that frame. You know, it, it was not thought necessary. Nurses will do whatever's required, and and our job is much more narrowly focused. And you know, that kind of legacy has probably never quite gone away. Yeah, as well, medical uh, medics get training to understand how to do this stuff, to how to 
debate, how to um, work a room, how to get your point across, how to understand how your voice is important, how to get it heard. We don't we don't deliver that to our nursing students often. And then we wonder why none of them just automatically have those skills. <laughs> and I find that strange. Yeah. 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 No, that's a good point, Nikki, isn't it? Why would we expect that people will have those skills? Why would we expect that part of the roles would be that they they will influence and they should influence if we're not actually helping to nurture that you know, from, from the off. And I think something I've been guilty of, and I think other people too a little bit, is having a healthy distrust of management and not really um, encouraging people to be part of it, to actually say, well, actually, you know, we're going to do it differently. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and that the, 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 there's a different way to do this, that you can have compassionate leadership that's actually yeah. real and not just a blog. And you can have um, concern for service users absolutely as your primary goal and, and mm -hmm. deliver a service. I mean, I think are... when I was growing up in nursing, we had some, you know, it seemed to me that we were recruiting psychopaths at one stage. <laughs> we didn't say that on the yeah. job description, but it was pretty much what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> and then wondering why our services were getting decimated in England. So, I mean, I, I look to the Welsh, you know, the, the Welsh glory. I think, oh my goodness, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't want to overstate the, the inability of nurses to influence and to change, though. Because there are there are plenty of good examples where nurses have kind of worked acting collectively to to bring about all sorts of change, often expanding the boundaries of what nurses do. So, you know, the ones mentioned earlier around things like prescribing and all the kind of new roles that mental health nurses potentially have under the Mental Health Act, which is an interesting piece of legislation that applies across Wales and England, actually, as it happens. Um, Nurse-led services. Um, think think about the whole investment in psychosocial interventions in the, from the 1990s onwards. Yeah. So that there would have been alliances of people who were part of that in London in, and in Manchester. But nurses were right at the heart of that, you know, mm -hmm. demonstrating that nurses can fulfil big leadership responsibilities, can develop very, very, very advanced clinical skills, which previously would have been thought of as being beyond the reach of yeah. health nurses and quite clearly aren't, you know. Ben, there's a real point there about how are we preparing future nurses and the current workforce around some of these areas. We've touched yeah. on policy, we've touched on power and influence. And yet, and the other one for me is around that strategic thinking. You know, I've had numerous conversations around, you know, a really interesting conversation that got me thinking on it was when somebody was telling me about their experience of being um, told, being unsuccessful at a job and being told they weren't strategic enough in their <laughs> thinking. And that started this conversation. So what is strategic thinking? And how do, how, how do you know if you're doing it or not? And how do we teach and support it? And, and when you unpick it and tease it out, it's, you know, it is. It's around, you know, strategic thinking for me is around anticipating change. It's around reading the landscape. It's around knowing what's coming over the hill. It's around challenging assumptions. It's kind of, I talk a lot about joining the dots. Do you know, It's like how you join the dots. Take, you look at the policy, look at what's happening in practice. And then it's around how you use all that to make the right decision, sometimes a tough decision quite quickly. But again, you know, it's like, I, I can't remember ever going through any kind of educational development support that, that helped me think about strategic thinking. So, so to give somebody feedback at an interview, you know, I was thinking that the example I gave earlier that you're not strategic enough. I think, it's, you know, it's quite interesting, isn't it? How are we actually trying to help that next generation? 
Yeah. Think strategically. I don't know what people's thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree. It's things like uh, access to mentoring, isn't it? Coaching, um, you know, professional development opportunities. And again, back to what we were saying earlier, that particular people, you know, some particular personalities of nurses might push themselves forward for those things, but other nurses might not push themselves forward for that and might never think, actually, I'd really like a but you know have I got time to have one where will I access one am I worthy of having one and all those kind of things and I still speak to nurses who just work in the same organization for the whole career for example and how are you going to learn what's beyond the walls of your organization if you never go beyond the walls of that organization I think it's really good for people to get broader experience and to sort of see beyond the sort of organizational walls and you know enter into people's communities and things you know it really changes perspectives doesn't it and so i, I agree you set I the audience off between the lot of you responsibility <laughs> to yeah to kind of lead and develop the staff really absolutely so, yeah, so what's coming through, Nikki, on the um, social well, I think, media? I've seen that people have been spitting the tea out everywhere because they've certainly started typing. <laughs> <laughs> they're happy, but they're chatty. Happy and chatty. Um, Adrian, I agree the framework in Wales has been beneficial, supported some of the alcohol work. Um, particularly great was the gastro teams working with mental health services. Um, passion for um, person-centred care was outstanding. Um, one question coming up there, how do you get buy-in from non-mental health colleagues? Um, on Twitter, Graham McIntosh, hello Graham. Um, honest, inclusive, transparent um, approaches to policy development is essential. So that idea, exactly the same what Michelle was saying on that one. Uh, Sam, um, based on per personal experience within HEIs, um, the curriculum has an, an element of public health and health promotion, um, and this is um, useful. Um, to help students start to familiarise and familiarise themselves with policy, but how do we give thought to how they'll continue to um, influence their practice? Mm -hmm. So once they've got out of it, what, what then? Because, but exactly as, as Michelle was saying, by the time they get out of it, um, all that policy they learned is out of date. Yeah. And so there's something around understanding you always have to keep updated. Someone else says, I feel that politicians in Wales listen to healthcare professionals. In mm -hmm. England, the political door is closed. Mm -hmm. oh, God. So lots of lots of different points there. If anyone wants to pick up one of those, just on that last point, as an example. So do you remember when there was a well, we will all remember when there was the junior doctor strike in mm -hmm. in England, which did not happen in Wales, and I'm pretty sure that there that the Welsh government, I think it was Mark Drakeford, who's now first minister, but when he was when he was minister for health or health and social services, I can't remember the exact title he would have had in Welsh government. I'm pretty sure that he put a big advertising promo video out, which was directed at healthcare professionals, junior doctors. We come to work in Wales, we we will work with you. You know, we won't trammel over you. We won't kind of tread over you. Um, we will collaborate with you. We'll be partners with you. We won't try and force these new contracts on. So it's mm. a really interesting, a very particular pitch um, yeah. in a, at a time of um, industrial conflict. You know, industrial relations difficulty in England, never here, never in Wales, though. Mm. Unless somebody now. You might also call it opportunistic, Ben. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Mm. <laughs> mm. I'm Wise. interested what's, um, what's unique about um, the work that was mentioned about person centred care in Wales, because that was described as outstanding, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and it was, again, about the buy-in between um, non-mental health colleagues, that one. And the reason that particularly worked was obviously when you're working with people who have um, severe alcohol issues, they're going to have physical health complications as well as mental yeah. health needs, addiction needs. So that was about that acute, was acute and mental health working well together. Yeah. And it can be a challenge, can't it, to get buy-in from different different specialities because people's focus is, is going to be wider than mental health. I suppose that for me is an example where a framework or a policy can help because you can you can use that yeah. as part of your um part of your um kind of argument or or you know trying to convince or influence somebody that this is a good thing to do and this you know you've got this policy backdrop you've then got the evidence base and then you've got this is the difference it'll make in, in the data so i do think that's where if back to policy it can be helpful in influencing but i do recognize it, you know it can be a real challenge sometimes to you know, yeah lots of issues we're, we're, we're trying to raise you know the profile of mental health across all the sectors haven't we yeah. And a quick, a quick point on that is it's really, really, really important to have people like you, Hazel, and mm. we're lucky to have you as you, actually, but the fact that you occupy the role that you occupy mm. in the Chief Nursing Officer's Office in Wales and therefore have access to Welsh Government is so important. And mm. not, not every uh, yeah. bit of the UK has necessarily always had somebody who speaks for mental health nursing it's yeah. often different isn't it and to be it fair is. i think a big part of my role is to try and um, make sure the voice of mental health nursing is is there when we're having in the policy team and when we're having conversations mm -hmm. and a lot of the strength of having the all wheels senior nurse advisory group is that's an advisory group for Jean, so it's the chief nursing officers advisory yeah. group and that's about trying to bring that voice of mental health nursing close so you know so because so you know i you know have limited expertise and limited areas. I probably shouldn't say that, should I? But you know, whereas if I can connect the, the yeah, Welsh yeah. government or CNO to the breadth of fantastic mental health nurses that are out there, that that's you know that's a lot better intelligence and information coming it, in. It, it's a, it, it, and and, uh, and there yeah. are there is there are now across each of the countries there's somebody doing that work, isn't there? So Emma it's Wade and similar but different in each country. So yeah, so um in it. Scott, so again, that's a difference, isn't it? So, you know, mm. Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland, the nursing officers or professional advisors sit in Welsh government, whereas in England, Emma sits in NHS England. So it's it's, yeah. a, it's slightly different, and we do talk regularly as a group, and you know, it's interesting exploring what the similar a lot of the issues are similar for our population across the countries, but some of the some of the differences are around how we operate as different. Yes. There's a bit of a theme here, isn't there? So just picking up on what we've just said, but also about what Nikki, really nice to have that feedback about um, patient-centred care, because this is yeah. what it's all about. Absolutely. And, you know, what we're touching about, touching on is partnership working, isn't it? So, mm. the, you know, the real difference between being able to work closely with other health boards, being able to work closely mm. with academics, and Hazel, for example, makes a massive difference in the same way when we talk about patient care, person-centred care. If we work together, it makes a massive difference for the person that's at the heart of it. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, 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 totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Any more questions, Nikki? And then I'm just aware of the time we've got. A few there was one, yeah, that, there was, uh, Sam's question wasn't quite answered um, about... Um, the fact that students do get exposed to um, 
policy whilst they're actually in uni when almost as an act of torture it would seem but yes they do um what happens then when they're sort of newly qualified nurses because that's often the time when you start to plan your career trajectory isn't it and if maybe this is something that you would you know how are we sort of supporting young nurses in their practice yeah. to get into um, a, a space where they're passionate about policy yeah well i think that people could do worse than to work with others so join a professional organization join a trade union join a subject group um so i mean an example for that bit of the profession that works in universities would be mental health nurse academics uk but um so i just use that as an example because i'm closely involved there with yeah. mental health nurse academics uk but but through groups like that through through unite through unison through the rcn Mm. Um, where I mean, organisations are often looking for people, aren't they, to kind of volunteer to come forward, yeah. to join fora, to join committees, and that puts people in a really direct mm -hmm. place to actually say something to influence and to help shape policy, to help shape practice. Um, so it's probably not a case of trying to do it on your own. You know, you have to mm -hmm. find others. You know, who are the who are the people who are like-minded? Who are the other kind of people who are sufficiently motivated, su sufficiently active? sufficiently yeah. engage and share some of your values and want to kind of make a, a kind of a bigger broader difference so find find friends over the thoughts work together you know collaborate with people i agree it's finding opportunities isn't it and having conversations so that you actually tease out what what is policy and how you're influencing it so some of the conversations we've had tonight around help you know having more conversations like that and there's not a lot of time and opportunities sometimes in a busy shift yeah. to have those i completely appreciate that but it, you know, it's to, to to think through what policy means for you, isn't it? And, and what way where the influence and opportunity is for you. What is it that you want to do? How do you want to make a difference? And how can influence power, strategic thinking, policy all help you do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Stunned into silence. So I think um, we are actually on forty-five minutes. Yeah, we should just. Go, I think we should just go around because we're running slightly over, which isn't unusual for us. Um, <laughs> but we love the conversation, don't we, Nikki? And mm, yeah, I love a chat. We do. We love a chat. <laughs> so um, I guess for the last few minutes, would it be helpful just to go around everyone really with any uh, anything that we've missed, any take-home messages, that kind of thing, before we finish for the night? So if we start with Michelle. Um, the thing that's left with me is um, that we all, we are, we can all, it's, it's about equal responsibility here. So it's not about, it's not about a student nurse in um, university. It's not about preceptorship and what happens in that first year. I think we are all responsible for making a difference with this. And nothing gives me more greater pleasure than actually seeing it, hearing it, feeling it um, in work in the NHS and across other services. It makes such a difference, but we all have to play a part in that. Yeah, definitely. And that's been quite a strong message tonight, hasn't it, as well? Um, Hazel? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, kind of echoing what Michelle said. But for me, it's like if a take-home message would be, seeing policy as something we influence not something that happens to us yeah. so that, that would be my kind of take-home message yeah and then over to you I'm, I'm going to go back to Nikki's students 
Um, and I hope that they and others who kind of, what is all this policy thing then? You know, it's got nothing to do with me whatsoever. I would hope that this discussion has persuaded at least some people that it's really, really super relevant. It really, yeah. really, 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 really will have a bearing. It will shape what people do, the opportunities that we have. And the more that we collectively, as a profession, can get involved in shaping it, the better. Yeah, totally agree with you. Mm. Mm. Well, I love you. Nikki, any mm. final thoughts from yourself? I think the idea that, you know, so nurses, be students or, or practitioners, are smart, they're ethical, they're organised, they understand what it's like actually to be around people who need that support. And there is nobody really other than service users, who they also support to have a voice, better placed to be making choices and decisions. And, you know, it's time to step up, I think. We'll see what happens when other people make them. Best just to put in the hours and get it done, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, I think on that note, I mean, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation and thank you all um, for, for joining in tonight. I think the message for me is around, you know, democratising these spaces and conversations and, you know, getting people's voices heard, you know, people who work in services, but also bringing the voice of people who use services as well and supporting them to have a voice. And it's been really interesting listening to some of the um, differences around mental health nursing in, in Wales as well and um, yeah I guess people listening probably had no idea I mean I certainly didn't until I came over to Cardiff that time and and realized you know what opportunities there are without this sounding like a recruitment campaign for you all um, I think <laughs> yeah so um, yeah so I think um really interesting conversation and um one that we might come back to as well hopefully at some point as well to um to catch up with you all and see how things are progressing and i think on that note we should say good night and thank you everybody and if you're listening thank you as well for joining and if we've missed any of your comments we will have a look at social media later and we'll try and answer any questions or refer anything on to any of our panel so i'll say good night there and thank you Good night. Good night.